to the episode five of the Sheer Business Inspiration podcast and vlog. My name's Jo Faraday and in today's episode, which is episode five, I'm going to be chatting to Alex Wallace. Alex is MD and founder of Mintridge Foundation, a charity she set up at the age of 24 over five years ago. Understandably, Alex was given recognition for her efforts and awarded the 2018 Sunday Times Sports Women of the Year in the grassroots category, along with Woman of the Future Sport Award in 2017. Mintridge supports over 50,000 young people throughout the UK, so I know that you are going to enjoy this episode. Enjoy. Like so many young women, I definitely suffered from imposter syndrome and doubted my own ability. Winning the 2018 Swati Grassroots Awards has meant so much, it's been amazing and it's really, really helped with my own confidence. We're a really small organisation with just two full-time employees, but we have really big aspirations with where we want to take the charity. This award has given us such a platform. It's spread awareness of our hard work and it's meant that funders, athletes, schools, they take us more seriously. And welcome to episode five of the Sheer Business Inspiration podcast and vlog. I'm Jo Faraday and I'm really excited to talk to Alex Wallace. Welcome Alex, thanks for joining me today. Oh thank you so much for having me, it's great to be here. I just can't wait to chat with you because I think your journey is such an exciting one to share with everyone. Um, but for those that may not be aware of your journey to date and your backstory, um, just wondered if you could share with our audience a little bit about your journey to date. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm here because I'm the founder of the Mintridge Foundation. Um, we're a registered charity uh, dedicated to supporting young people with their physical and mental well-being um, through professional athletes, which is just the most magical, um, for me anyway, it's the most magical job to be in, um, being in and around these absolute superstars all the time. Um, but as you said, it's been quite a journey in terms of getting here. Yeah. Um, and I think it's all stemmed from my own personal experiences, both positive and negative within sport, uh, that I'm determined that young people have a much, a much stronger understanding of why they take part in sport and why we do it. And that is the, the crux of it is because we want everyone to enjoy it, um, which I absolutely did growing up. I was sports mad. Um, I had a family obsessed by rugby um, which I'm very grateful for because I had that um, understanding from an early age of just how powerful sport can be um, and I tried hockey at about the age of six um, and um, yeah amongst other different sports um, but that seemed to be the one that I really loved but I made sure and my parents made sure that I played lots as well lots of others um, and I I quickly realised from an early age that I wanted to play for England. That's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to achieve. Um, and everyone quick, 
quickly got to understand that that's who I was, that's what I wanted to do, sort of around my identity, I guess, really, that Alex, the hockey player, Alex, was going to play for England. Um, and I went through the system. Uh, I went played for county, I played for regional, absolutely loving it. And I eventually got to those England trials at under 16. Um, and that is where the whole inspiration of Mintridge came from, because I received that letter. It was a letter in, back in 2006 rather than an email, old school. Um, <laughs> and I just remember thinking, wow, this is what I've been working towards. Uh, and as soon as I put that letter down, it was as if something something changed and I put this internal pressure on myself. I had this huge fear of failure. I thought I would let people down if I didn't get selected because this is all we've been working towards. I had no external pressure. I had the most supportive system in terms of my family and my coaches, but it was that some, there was just something inside me that it was, was that internal me. voice. Yeah. 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 I think that so many people experience in so many different ways. And, yeah. and in turn, I, I didn't get selected. Um, and I maintain it now. I can look back and think it's absolutely nothing to do with the skills that I had on the pitch, but it's, it was, that imposter syndrome that I faced that everyone else around me was so much better than me they all played to get together really well which is so silly of me looking back um and hindsight's such a I, I mean yeah you could do that forever though couldn't you look back yeah. and say oh wish woulda shoulda coulda but yeah you experienced it and and you know that that's part of you and that's part of your story isn't it and yeah oh absolutely and I think with what I've gone on to do with Mintridge yeah. that perceived failure without that perceived failure I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today which I absolutely love so much more than hockey um and that's so impactful and and that's yeah. your driving force isn't it you yeah. know and, and, oh, and I think absolutely. I'm a great believer in stepping stones and things ha do happen for reasons and it's not always that you're meant to do what you think you're meant to do it will sometimes guide you in a completely different way so yeah yeah oh. it's one of those things I just think yeah it's it's amazing that you've gone on to do do what you've done oh, you know with you. Mintridge and um, yeah so what was the main motivation for you setting at Mintridge Foundation can you tell us a bit more about that yeah so I think exactly what you just said in terms of those stepping stones I think uh I all I thought about with that hockey journey was I'm going to play for England. I'm going to sing the national anthem in front of my family. Whereas actually I didn't break that down into short term goals. I didn't, I knew what I wanted to achieve, but I didn't know how to get there. Um, and I, and that's one of the reasons I wasn't successful. And one of the reasons I think that I completely fell out of love with hockey after those trials, I, was playing because I had to, not because I wanted to anymore. Um, I always say that my biggest love became my worst enemy, um, oh. which, again, I don't that's want hard. you to talk to me. Yeah. No, but, no, no, no. <laughs> but that's um, the thing, though, isn't it? If you put, like you say, if you put so much pressure on something, it does yeah. make it become like that because you just, it's almost like you don't know what, what you're aspiring to do anymore because yeah. what you thought was going to happen didn't, didn't actually come to fruition so yeah yeah I'll completely and I think I if I'd had a mentor that had been there and done that and got the scars I think I I would have coped much better and I would still be playing hockey today in any capacity um one of our ambassadors here at Mintridge he's the England probably 
in the England netball team. She's one of the best defenders in the world, yet she didn't get into the under-17 team for her, for England. And if I'd known things like that, I would have probably thought, oh, it is still possible, it is still achievable. But I just fell into, into this sense of I'd let everyone down. And, um, and that's been a huge driving force behind what I'm doing is that I... I want to have that support system in place. And in the early stages of Mintridge, it was very much let's support the talented students on their, on their pathways in lots of different sports because I started to talk to people and hear that they'd had quite similar experiences. Um, but what I love is that that was, the, that was the starting point, but schools and clubs and organizations are using it for so, so much more. They're using it to help with confidence. They're using it to help with aspirations. and so many different areas which just shows how powerful and far-reaching sport is oh um, it really is yes. absolutely yeah. and uh, you know uh, and that that's the thing isn't it what it's what what drives you know youngsters my son for an example he wants to be you know make he wants to um race motor cars you know he wants to be the next lewis hamilton yeah. um who won you know, just say, Go on. <laughs> and, and that would be amazing for him and, and we want to encourage him in his dream but equally you want to make sure that he has experience of all the different elements in sports like you say you know and to understand about aspiration and to understand about you know if you don't get in that time it doesn't mean it's the end of the world you know it's part of oh. the path Oh, completely. And I think that's a really important message that our athletes are sharing. We have a really great diversity of athletes that young people can relate to. It's not their parents delivering the messages. It's not their yeah. families. It's a successful athlete that could look like them, that's come from the same background, yes. that is there saying, I'm really successful, but I have a second option. I have a second career. I have plans after that career because yeah sport can be incredibly cruel so and I think it also creates that life balance which makes them more successful as well so so yeah, many different reasons definitely. and but. so Mintridge supports over 50,000 young people and I mean that's an incredible number and from starting I mean you were age 24 were you at the start so you started Mintridge age 24 over five years ago now and um, and you know You've, you've achieved such great things and, and it's understandable to know why that that's that's the case and um, how has the pandemic affected your charity though I know it's a horrible question but <laughs> no but, but it's I, affected many organizations and chat and charity charities are one of the hardest hit aren't they um you know at this time yeah oh it's as you say it's impacted everyone so differently and that's what I was really conscious of from the beginning that yeah. I didn't put these uh, emergency appeals out because businesses were affected individuals were affected so I had to really think about what our approach would be um, I joked with my dad the other day that we are probably in the three biggest affected areas we're in schools which have been closed for the majority yeah. of the time elite sport which hasn't really been happening and charity I, I think we just throw <laughs> travel into the mix I mean what a career choice I made <laughs> but but we, I'm with you we're, we're at the events I'm with you yeah, I know it's, I know. it's not been good not been good yeah. but but grassroots are showing so that that's the yeah, main thing but exactly. so how have you how have you evolved at this time what, what have you been up to yeah I think when it first hit and and the schools closed it was a really it was really scary and I just thought we've worked so hard I felt really sorry for myself for a couple of days and talked about lots of different options and then I thought to myself well 
the young people are arguably going to be the most affected by this pandemic as a generation and they're going to be the ones that need the support the most so let's realign what we're doing let's refocus and let's use our athletes who now particularly in the first lockdown had a little bit more time because they weren't traveling so every cloud I guess yeah. um, for us we were being in a very selfish way there um, but so we we were very fortunate that we had an online program in place anyway so we didn't have to start completely from scratch in terms of safeguarding different platforms to use we could have those put in place but just with a wider audience than we usually would um, so rather than going into the schools we were delivering remotely and it has taught us a lot so we are now seeing that there's more accessible ways to reach more schools we can reduce costs slightly if schools can't necessarily afford it afford the, the, the visit yeah. because we're reducing those travel to that travel time and yeah. so on. We've had a chance to support our ambassadors more um, because they've needed it a lot, particularly with their mental well-being throughout the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and we've completely refocused our fundraising um, when we started. So we gained charitable status in 2018. And we tried lots of different areas for the fundraising side and nothing was really working. And I thought, right, what are our skill sets here at the charity? My background was events. So that's where we were going to focus our attention for 2020. It was going, oh, to, bless be, you. It was going to be oh. let's go down that route. Let's go down the mass participation uh, route, which yeah. really aligns with the charity itself. Yeah. Um, and obviously that didn't happen. So again, we've been forced to look at options that I probably never would have done because we wouldn't have had the time. I wouldn't have thought that they would work, but we have to look at different avenues now. We can't rely on just one area. Yeah. So we've had a really exciting year of fundraising with channels that we never thought we would. We've done virtual events that have supported our supporters. Not only are we supporting our beneficiaries, but they found the challenges that we've that we've run. They found those really motivating. Um, we've looked into more corporate partners, um, just areas that I didn't think a small organisation would be able to do so early. So. Yes, it's been tough, I'd say it's been tough for everyone, but definitely allowed us to slow down and look at the bigger picture, which I'm always guilty of head down. As we were saying before we started yeah, recording, head yeah. down, go, 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 nitty gritty day to day. Yeah. yeah. Actually take a step back. Cause that that is my role now as 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 we're growing the team. I don't have to be involved in the day to day. That is managing itself with a great some great colleagues. So yeah, it's and I think that's the thing, isn't it? Being able to be agile, being able to adapt to the situation. And, and as horrible as some of it's been, there have been some real gems of things that have come out of the pandemic. You know, we've all, like we were saying, we've been looking up and looking out and, and seeing more rather than being stuck in our rat race and, you know, just chundering along. You know, yeah. we've, we've been open to considering options that we maybe would never have done before so you can't you know that that's not a bad thing it's you know it's just it just shows that you, you've been receptive to to making sure that you can still keep ticking along which is yeah. which is what you want isn't it really exactly it's, it's that ticking along we're not where we wanted to be we're not hitting the targets we wanted to do but let's again just look at the perspective well, think of it the extra layers that you've got so yeah. then you've got the extra layers and then add that to what you were going to be doing it's you know yeah. I, I think it could only you know get get greater and yeah. and you were 
obviously as a as a an individual you know you've had recognition so um tell us more about your sunday times sportswoman of the year that you would and, and your other accolade as well which you um that was sportswoman of the year in the grassroots category wasn't it and then future sport award so yeah. tell us more about those things oh yeah um i love talking about these because yeah it's um the stardust of of our line of work um so in 2017, I was amazed to uh, be awarded the Women of the Future Award in the sports category. Um, it's an incredible network across so many different businesses, so many different organisations, uh, so many different individuals that you just wouldn't n normally see in a room together, uh, from art and culture to media to professions and then sport. Um, and I was just what it did for the charity it just put us up on this new pedestal of recognition which was huge and I didn't anticipate winning which can probably be seen when I had my acceptance speech and I just waffled and cried and cried a bit more and then have no idea what I said so I probably <laughs> repeated myself um doesn't matter it's it's fantastic you know it's great recognition really well deserved oh thank you so that was wow that was amazing and now a real um network that i'm involved in and and the alumni within the women of the future network help and support me so much um particularly their founder pinky lalani um it's built on kindness and collaboration which i think is often underestimated within um within leadership especially so I love that philosophy and it's something that's core to what we do here at Mintridge. So that's a wonderful, wonderful network. Um, and then the year after, uh, yeah, I, it still so surreal that these two accolades happened, but um, I was shortlisted and then eventually won uh, the Sunday Times Sportsman of the Year Award in the grassroots category. And again, sim there's a very common theme tonight because I... I always say I need to enjoy the journey more um, rather than just thinking about the destination. I'm a big fan of all these cheesy quotes. Um, I'm with and, you. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think I hadn't done that until that evening, and mm. all I was thinking about was I'm not going to win. I'm not going to win. I'm not going to win. Just, um, but actually. I had an email the day before the awards. They said, what time would you like to come into hair and makeup? I was like, what? <laughs> Never had this before. Like, this is just completely alien to me. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, I'll come in at four. La, la, la. Uh, my mum came with me and they handed me a glass of champagne when I walked into the room to get my hair and makeup done. And at that point, that was the first time that I eventually said to myself, right, it doesn't matter what happens tonight, just go and enjoy this. You're going to be in a room yeah. of some of the highest achieving athletes in the country. Just go out and, and enjoy it. And that's what I did. And I was getting selfies with Dina Rasher-Smith. I, I was, yeah, it was, um, and, and the outcome was that I also won. Um, and I just, I just think there was the belief in what we were doing on both on both occasions really deep down we know what we're doing and what we're trying to achieve is 
is huge and really needed um and and, and that's the thing is you know like you say you 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 so cut that recognition because it's really well deserved and you know oh, okay. I think it's important <laughs> to embrace it you know you've won it for a reason that and, and you know you just you know for what you've achieved um so over the years you've partnered with a lot of ambassadors you work with many you know today can you give us a couple of examples of the athletes that have supported you right from the word go yes uh well i can't talk about anything from the beginning without talking about marilyn okoro uh who is an 800 meter gb olympian um and she's actually a medalist um from the 2008 games where she actually got her medal 10 years later but that's another story probably for another podcast um <laughs> and she was our very first ambassador uh and one of the biggest motivations behind behind how I could see the program working and how I could see elite athletes bridging that gap with youth. Um, I was fortunate enough in a previous role to to work at the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow. Um, I was in I was in the Team England clubhouse, which is where the athletes would come to be with their families um, away from the media, away from the athletes' village, just to have a complete relaxation time and my role was to stand at the door uh, not be starstruck not let the press in which as you probably just heard I'm not good at because it's really I just... difficult <laughs> yeah. yeah um I mean yes so the, that was that was really difficult but I loved it and just to see the athletes in their environment and be so close to them it was it wow it was amazing and one of the athletes themselves was Marilyn who would come in every day and she would just have the warmest smile, uh, greatest energy, um, just wanted to hear about my day, hear how we're doing. And I just remember thinking, I should, That's be asking really nice. yeah, yeah. I, I should be asking you, you're the Olympian. And, and then it, I was like, she's just human. She's just a human. And I think we're so guilty, me especially as a starstruck, uh, starstruck girl from the age of four or five when I fell in love with sports, that we think these athletes, are like rock stars and it's really unachievable but actually no it's not so we can bridge that gap so uh after the games and I was starting to think that I wanted to go out on my own and and start something up uh I sent her a message I think I sent her found her email address on google uh before I could really understand social media and twitter and that side which is just paramount to what we do now um I found an email it was her old agent and her old agent kindly sent it on to her uh and i said this is what i want to do this is the idea this is the vision um i'd love to meet and share more and she loved it and i think she could see that we were looking at the full care so we weren't just helping the younger generation we would be helping the athletes that are leading those programs as well um, and she came on board and she was our very first athlete. So amazing. without Marilyn, I wouldn't have had a product. You wouldn't have been started. Yeah, that's <laughs> lovely. Yeah, that's really so, good. Yeah. And it's nice. It's nice to have that backing. But I think it sounds like Marilyn's very, very much, like you said, very human, warm, receptive. And that's exactly what you need, isn't it? From your ambassadors, you need that. So to have that from the start is amazing, isn't it? To, to oh, be able yeah. to run with it, definitely. Um, who and what inspires you, Alex? Oh, well, and that's a really hard one, I know. Because yeah. I'm sure there's lots of things and people that do, but 
if you um, know you're more than welcome to mention a couple of things if yeah. that makes it easier no I think I think in terms of running an organization and having the dream and having the hunger to do it I'm so I'm I'm so grateful that I grew up in a in a quite an entrepreneurial family and uh, a supportive family um which has meant that I've always seen it as quite natural for what I'm doing and going on my own rather than going down a normal route yeah I've, or my parents and my brother have always allowed me to sort of be who I want to be I didn't go to university I didn't follow that normal route that lots of my school friends did and for that reason I'm inspired by them daily yeah. but also they are the supportive so they they give me that perspective a lot and they yeah. give me the importance and I think I've only realized that in the last couple of years particularly as I've got nephews now who they inspire me because one I want to be a great role model to them but also they they tell me to stop because I want to go and have a day with them and look after them and run around the garden and be silly which yeah. is just as important as sitting behind your desk for oh, a day doing it really is. yes yeah. yeah so my family are, are huge and I'm so grateful for them for both the inspiration but also the perspective yeah um but in terms of sporting inspirations, there's, oh, there's so oh, many. Oh, there's a whole range of that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I always share my, well, growing up, my inspiration was Johnny Wilkinson. Um, and he won the World Cup for England for in, in the dying seconds. I loved his devotion to his team and his just meticulous training regime. It was, it was what I saw I wanted to do and what I wanted to achieve. But again, that was an inspiration because I now look back and think, why was Johnny my inspiration? Why wasn't a female hockey player? But it was because those female hockey players were really hard to see and really hard to reach when I was growing up because they weren't there in the media, which is changing now. Um, we're at a really exciting time for women's sport. Yeah. Um, but uh, we didn't. I didn't have those relatable role models. So the inspiration for me is ensuring that every young person has someone that looks like them, is from a similar background to them that they can directly relate to. Yeah. So I always I always look back at that and ensure that we have a huge diversity. That's so important, isn't it? And like you say, for for people to for children to be able to have that conversation and understand that it, you know, that that, that they're not superhuman. <laughs> Although yeah. sometimes I wonder when I look at all the stats and I think, how did you <laughs> achieve know. that time or that jump or that, you know, whatever you've achieved. Yeah. It's amazing, you know, but, but equally that it's, that's possible um, if you believe and you have the right things in place. Um, yeah. I think belief, the belief is the biggest, biggest thing. And that yeah. so many young people just, they have similar to what I had. And, and if you believe it, you cannot, you can, go on to aspire to be whatever you want to do yeah and I, I think that's that's such a great message what message of hope can you give to our audience for 2021 there's been a whole year of ups and downs um, I think we've all hung our heads and <laughs> equal equilibrium has definitely been it's been up it's been down it's been all over the place but um there's grassroots signs of of a recovery and a start back into some kind of normality post-pandemic um i know we're not quite there yet but it's in it's it's almost in distance yeah. what what message of hope could you give our audience um to me 
um, I had a really great call on Friday with a group of leaders within the sports industry and it really hit home to me a message that I'm always trying to convey but I don't necessarily listen myself um, and this made me stop and listen and that is that we all just need to acknowledge our feelings so much more we're all we're all going to have good days we're all going to continue having bad days that we've experienced more so than ever in the last mm. year and that's that's okay that's that's normal and everyone is doing it the olympians are doing it they're you know the top leaders you, you somebody openly said you know she had a huge meltdown when the announcement the schools were closing again it's a completely normal reaction and I think often we're so hard on ourselves that um, it makes the situation so much worse and I think if you acknowledge it you check in with your feelings both positive and negative that will allow you to realize that that it is hope and you know, it's it's your mind is tricking you into thinking thinking it's getting worse and worse but actually yeah. the hope is it is on the horizon and and I think it's just important to remember that to be be kind to, to yourself yeah and I think time. also what what I've found I don't know about you but I've um I've I've stopped thinking way too far in advance we have we have client bookings and inquiries for later this year into next year and that's brilliant and that's great and we'll manage them accordingly but for us personally, as individuals, going too far in advance and not knowing exactly what's going to happen, it's, it, it almost creates an inner turmoil in itself because you're sort of like, well, I want to do this, but I don't know if that's possible. And then how do I do that? And you sort of get yourself into such a frenzy. So I purposely have avoided looking at the news too much, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's about we, being so present. What you can control yourself and what you can do something about and what is outside of your control, there's not much you can do. So it's better to just yeah, not I'll park completely. it, be aware of it, like you say, but and acknowledge it, but don't think that you have to make those decisions because it's impossible to make them there's you know you've no control over them so oh massively control the controllables as all our athletes say absolutely absolutely yeah. so what's next for you come on tell us your aspirations for this year and beyond what's what what are you what have you got planned oh well we are just so excited that we're getting bookings now for being back in schools Amazing. properly not just in the virtual world yes so, we're really going to enjoy this summer term. We know that not everyone will be allowing us in um, because of their different policies. Yeah. But again, like we've just said, we're taking it one step at a time. We're reanalyzing and hopefully this summer term will build where we can get back to normal yeah. um, in terms of our program delivery while also offering the virtual programs as well. Yeah. Um, and then from September, we're going to our aspirations are that we want to continue to grow and we want to be accessible and affordable to every school in the country Amazing. So, so that goal hasn't changed yeah uh just probably covid has put a little halt in the time scale it's too. how you reach them there isn't it and i think because you've now got the virtual option it's like you say you know maybe the schools haven't got the budget for someone to physically get there and if that's not the, the case then you can roll out the virtual option and that's just brilliant because yeah. that means you've got two ways of reaching them rather than just yeah. the one so it's great and yeah. you know i just think that there's nothing there's nothing better than having options and being open to and agile enough to to flex with with how things have been so 
We do wish you every success with it. Are there any initiatives that you're running at the minute that we could share links for? Or? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we've got lots of virtual challenges. Um, we've got one that's just finishing, which was um, running a marathon in a week. Um, but we're about to launch the second month of that, uh, Ooh, which, will okay. be, which will be a group challenge. Um, so I'd love to share that with you with another holiday destination as a prize. I might get a group of my friends on that, you know. I've got, yes. yes, definitely sh definitely share the links. We'll, uh, I've, I'm, I'm a keen runner. I love running. I'm not sure I could do a full marathon in a week. <laughs> oh, it can <laughs> be if walking. It's group, yeah, if it's a group it's activity, then I think that, that's definitely achievable so um so yeah definitely share the info and we'll share all the links and things but um yeah oh, every success you. for the rest of the year and it's been lovely chatting with you and i'm sure there'll be lots more for us to i'm sure you'll be a guest on at some point again soon but um thanks ever so much alex and um take care thank you so much joe really enjoyed it bye Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us to date, Alex. I know our audience will be really um, enthralled with all of the, your journey so far. So thank you again for being such a great guest. I hope that you're enjoying the Sheer Business Inspiration podcast. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel where you will find all of the previous episodes and those to come. Um, also, we are on social media. So if you would like to follow Sheer Edge, we're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter and Pinterest. So it'd be great to see you there. And if there's any feedback or thoughts you'd like to share about the podcast, we'd love to hear them. Our next guest is Ollie Magnus. Um, he is CEO of Magnus Group and he will be sharing with us his journey to date. Um, his story is an interesting one, so I know you would love to hear more about it, um, but I'm not gonna give you any, uh, give the gate away at all. So um, hope you enjoy. <laughs>